and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz podcast, a show for creatives to encourage and inspire through actionable legal, tax, money, and business topics. I'm Braden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator. If you are ready to get your legal and tax shit legit, you are in the right place. But before we fully dive in, here is a quick word from my sponsors. This episode is brought to you by my free training, The Three Legal and Tax Mistakes Made by New and Experienced Business Owners and How You Can Avoid Them. Here's the thing. There's a few key things we've all got to do to make sure we unfuck our biz. I've seen all the mistakes and I know how to help you get past them. So here's what I want you to do. Go to www.unfuckyourbiz.com, sign up for the free training, watch it, and do at least one of the homework assignments I share in the masterclass. Promise? Okay, now let's dive into the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 122 of the Unfuck Your Biz podcast. As always, this is your host, Brayden, and today I am joined by a very special guest. I'm excited to welcome Kina Newell, the owner of Wealth Over Now, here to the podcast. Kina, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for coming. We're going to talk about money. No surprise. I talked about last week, let the audience know that we are starting the money series on the podcast. I tried really hard to come up with like any better name than that for what it is that we're doing. But really, it's just a series of podcasts that are all about money. I'm interviewing different guests on a variety of topics. It's going to be super fun. Uh, In the coming weeks, I know that we have a few of your friends on the podcast, which is going to be really awesome. But today, we're going to start with what it is that you have to share with us. So before we dive into the specific content, can you tell everyone what your business does and what services you offer? Yeah. So uh, my name's Kina, like you said, and I run Wealth Over Now. I'm a financial coach. So I, like in short, I love to say that I help people create new possibilities with money, but I don't know if that like emits a warm tingly feeling inside of other people. Um, But I work with uh, professional women and solopreneurs to help them save more, pay down debt, um, invest in themselves, and overall like stress less about their finances. So, you know, I I teach you how to boss your money around basically so you can be in control of your finances instead of your finances being in control of you. Love that. Be in control of your finances instead of your finances being in control of you. That might be a little long for a bumper sticker, but I still feel like that's a great (laughs) bumper sticker statement. So like, that's what I always call it, a bumper sticker statement. Okay. That's great. So you, did you say you were in DC? I am. Okay. DC. I thought I knew you're on the East coast. Just trying to remember. All right. DC. So Next question. This is a really fun one for me. I always like to ask people this. What is one of your, and I'm using air quotes here, stake in the ground issues around money? So maybe something that's not a super popular opinion, or maybe just something that you think is super important that other people don't talk about as much. That you can save money and pay down debt at the same time. I feel like in the finance world, there's a big like either or strategy. Um, and because I live in DC where the cost of living is incredibly high, and I'm sure some of your listeners, listeners like live in cities like Chicago, California or States, (laughs) (laughs) um, right. And so when you live in these like high cost of living areas, I think about if I, when I was paying off student loan debt in particular, if I was only focused on paying off debt and didn't save, like if I lost my job, I can't just come up with $1,800 of rent 
like by working at McDonald's, you know, like I couldn't fathom that. Um, whereas like when I lived in St. Louis, rent was like $600, which I, I feel like I could hustle to get $600, but $1,800 is a lot. So um, I just think that, yeah, you can save money and pay down debt at the same time. And you, you're not necessarily sacrificing anything. Yeah, I still remember in college, I had a like I had a one bedroom apartment. It was six hundred and fifty dollars a month, and all my friends thought I was so fancy because it was like such a splurge. Yeah, because I had like an actual bedroom and like in apartment laundry. <laughs> Those were the days, man. Now I live in San Diego, and like you can't get a studio for probably under twelve hundred dollars now. Yeah. And okay. If you do get a twelve hundred dollars studio. Where is that studio, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They're like um, they call them like hotel apartments. So I converted hotels. Like there's mm. a lot of those. Okay. So okay. So I like that. You can pay down debt and save at the same time. So I talked about this on another podcast with another one of my guests. But I this is something I've started to realize in my business. Maybe you've already come to this realization as as well. But the concept of simplicity sells. And what I mean by that is a lot of people, you know, they read the Dave Ramsey and it's very like, you do this step, then you do this step, then you do that step. And I think it's, that's much more marketable, right? When mm -hmm. you're trying to sell a program, when you're trying to get a whole mass group of people on one system, if you give them like a choose your own adventure book, then people are just going to throw away the book. Mm -hmm. um, when we provide one-on-one -on -one services though, we kind of have the luxury of not even having to worry about that. So we can give people custom plans. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to debt and savings, like what are some considerations as that you take into consideration with your clients as to how to balance those and prioritize them? Well, one is like pay yourself first, right? And making savings like a consistent habit. Maybe you're not able to save ideally what you're going to be able to save $500, $600 a month, whatever that looks like, but make savings like a habit. Um, and I push my clients to work towards like, let's set aside at least a month worth, a month's worth of your expenses. And so how can we comfortably do that within, like trying to save that within a year to a year and a half. Um, and then in terms of paying down debt, I really help them prioritize one, like what's our minimum. Um, and then how much more are we paying? How much over the minimum are we paying? And I would say like the secret to the like paying down debt and saving at the same time is getting people not to continue accruing debt, right? So like you can't be, oh, I'm still swiping my credit card like crazy. So we're really working on getting in control of those habits. Um, and I think that that allows us to have the space to save and pay down debt at the same time. Yeah, I love that. I teach because I teach a lot about quarterly taxes and I teach a concept called, I call it the oh shit cycle, where people are always paying their back taxes and not their current taxes. So I actually tell them to do the inverse. And before we worry too much about your back tax bill, let's get you saving the amount that you need to save for current taxes or you're never going to get like off that process. So that makes a lot of sense because you're basically applying the same concept to debt. Which I think is, yeah. And I think it's also similar, like on the personal finance side, it's like, let's start also, there's like savings for emergency fund, but then there's also saving for those like infrequent annual irregular expenses, right? Like auto maintenance. Oh. Hey, you have to drive a car. You're, it's not like if you're going to need tires, you are. And so you can save $20 a month. And then when, you know, car service things are due or something happens unexpectedly, you have like a little pot of money to already pull from, which then prevents you from having to go and put it on a credit card. Yeah. Just the phrase auto maintenance gives me anxiety because I still drive a 2006 Mini Cooper, 
they're made by BMW. So on top of the parts being very expensive, it's like a fucking like Lego toy. Every time something breaks, they have to disassemble <laughs> the whole vehicle to like put it back together. It's insane. Um, I just paid like $1,200 last month for a new alternator. And I'm like, this is getting out of hand. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fun aside, but, he, fun but, aside see, but if you but if you save it right like if you build in fifty dollars a month because you know you have an older car whatever that looks like hopefully it doesn't hurt as bad yeah i had luckily i had the money set aside i use yeah. i teach a lot of my students to use a phone app called capital have you heard of that for savings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so i actually use it for tax savings i have it linked to my business bank account it auto pulls all of my like 25 percent of my income for taxes but then I do the same thing for like emergency fund savings and that kind of stuff. Cause yeah, I'm a shopper. Like I went to the mall last week. If the money's in my bank account, it's getting spent. So we just got to like auto pull that shit out of there before I that, go to that bank account you know? budgeting life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I'm all about the guilt-free spending account. It's like, you got to implement self-control. Okay. So let's talk about the core topic we wanted to discuss today was really how much to pay yourself. So you talked about paying yourself first, but for a lot of entrepreneurs in particular, they kind of just, they kind of just, a lot of them just pay for their business expenses. And they're like, well, this is how much money I have left over in my bank account. So I guess this is what I'm transferring to my personal account. Like what would be the starting point for my listeners to figure out like how much they actually need to be taking out of their business? So I tell everybody, like, everything starts with creating a spending plan, right? And so being able to, in a spending plan, being a budget, um, but writing down, like, what are your essential expenses? What are your non-essential expenses? And getting really clear on those things that um, you actually need to pay for out of your business. I hear business owners talk about all the time, like, they funnel money over to themselves, like, when their mortgage or their rent is due or they need to buy groceries, but they're not actually giving themselves a sustainable salary or wage because they haven't really thought about how much do I desire to be paying myself. Um, And I think depending on where you are in your business, something that I have um, clients explore is like, do three different budgets. Maybe you're like, okay, I don't know if I can afford to pay myself five or $6,000 a month right now, but do like a three tiered system, which could be like, here's kind of my bare minimum, lower end (laughs) um, spending plan. And then um, having one that's like right in the middle. So what are some things that you would like to add? And then being able to have like a dream budget. So being able to see like a scale um, of where you wanna be and where you desire to pay yourself. So are these three different spending plans, are the other two, are they like aspirational, like where I hope to be in a year? Or are they more like, I'm going to create three different budgets for each month to have like a contingency based on no, my income No, I, I say like a- aspirational in the sense of, I think when I think about how business finances and personal finances are connected is like, if I know aspirationally where I desire, desire to go in terms of my dream budget, I can then be backwards planning for my business to say like, what does my revenue need to be if I desire to pay myself $8,000 a month? Right now I can only pay myself $4,000 a month, right? But as I grow as a business owner, as my revenue increases, what does that actually look like? And then what would I need to be bringing in on the business side in order to pay myself that much? Okay, let's talk about aspirational dream budget for a moment because as an Enneagram seven, that's like way more fun for me than realism. So let's stick into that. (laughs) just for a moment. Then then we'll back it out. All right. 
What's a line item in your dream budget that you maybe don't have just yet, but you're working towards? Oh, I want someone, I want a personal trainer. I want somebody to come clean my house like once a month and I want to get massages, which not right now during COVID. Like I just want to be able to do that at will whenever I want. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I actually, so I like finally got the go ahead from my husband to hire like a housekeeper. So we're going to uh -huh. start that hopefully next month. I don't really know like what the COVID situation is, but that's been on my list for a while. And you all, shocker to all of you, but I, as I am a gay man, so I have a husband and we both live, like, I feel like we're both like act like, like live and act like college age men. Neither one of us are cleaning. We need Oh, that's, oh, <laughs> poor people. <laughs> Yeah, I always, I always, I always say like I'm very, very tidy, but I hate cleaning. So like I'll organize yeah. all day long. I hate cleaning. Okay, so I do like the concept of an aspirational budget. I mean, for me, I feel like like I don't like to shop a lot, but I love like I buy the bougiest groceries. Like I have my friend teases me because I have like um, a container in my fridge, and I call it my charcuterie container because when I get hungry, I'll just like get out some goat cheese and prosciutto. She's like, who does that? And I was like, well, I have, I was like, I allow a lot of money for groceries in my, in my spending plan. I mean, on your Instagram, I see that like you and Ina Garten are like cooking it up. Um, I oh, haven't I seen you buy truffle mushrooms yet. So when that happens. Um, I'm ordering truffle butter online. I have to order it online to make truffle mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah. So I asked my husband, I was like, are you ready to eat some $60 mac and cheese? And he said, bring it on. Let's do this. I mean, but you look like you're cooking up some amazing things. So I support it. Okay, good, good, good. All right. So we'll, we'll back it out to the, we'll, we'll all call it the realistic spending plan. You might have a better name for it. What do you call it with your clients? It's so funny. I change the name all the time. I'm just like, where's the like middle of the world? Where's the medium? <laughs> yeah. The name might depend on who your client is and like what it really kind of does. With and, them. and I think like I, I yeah, I don't have like a standard set of names. I think I more so listen and I explain it to them. And sometimes it's synonymous with like whatever they were making in their corporate salary, right? Um, kind of thinking about like where you were versus where you are right now. Okay. Well, actually, let's talk, let's talk about this for a moment because I feel like this might be informative when we talk a little bit more about that spending plan. If you could like categorize your clients, I don't know if you spend a lot of time thinking about this, but maybe if you had to put them into like different like money personality types with regard to creating a budget, like where do they fall and what kind of strings do you have to pull for different individuals? Because I know I'm actually very resistant to budgeting. So like what does working with that person compare like to like my other friend who has a spreadsheet for absolutely everything already? Well, I think everybody who comes to me, like they're pretty, I would say, I would, I don't think I actually, I think people describe themselves as resistant, um, like in their client forms, but I don't think I actually see it show up in coaching because I think of my, because of my approach, I lead with questions and really um, work to make sure that what we're doing is personalized. Um, so to answer your question, what are my clients? Um, I would say that there's like the people, because I used to be a teacher, there's like, so, so I'm actually equating them to like the kids I used to teach. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
I think about like the kid in class that like they just nod their head and they say like, yep, got it. But you can see from like the coaching in between calls that they don't understand what I'm asking them to do in terms of um, whether it's thinking through their expenses or um, needing them to like write down their um, results and the results that they've created for themselves or like what shifts are they going to make from one one week to the next um yeah Brayden I feel like that question I would have to think about it more because I haven't thought about my clients in those those buckets uh yeah I think for me that just like that question's very top of mind because I created like my first email opt-in quiz recently so I had to actually like break like each one of my audience members into you know like a, a group which is a weird exercise but an informative one well now now I'm gonna like think about it I, and maybe I think for me it's more that they're on the other side of that before they start working with me um yeah well also because a lot of it could be also that a lot of your clients have kind of already come face to face with certain realizations that they've needed to come face to face with in order to muster up the courage to even fill out your inquiry form. Of course, definitely. Um, that actually is the most interesting thing is like when they write about um, what has held them back from doing an inquiry with me. Like there's some, some forms that I get that people are like, it's 2 a.m. in the morning and I literally can't sleep because like money is top of mind for me right now. Oh. Or um, I had another client who told me she basically had had the form open for a year and she had already pre-filled it. <laughs> and then she finally sent it over. So there's very, there's very interesting like entry points, I would say for everyone. I also have my um, last supper spenders that are like, I'm gonna go make all my purchases before I start working with you because you might that would, that would be me that would be <laughs> yeah. me you might make me not be able to buy something and then they're like oh you don't actually tell me that i can't have that thing i'm like no because that's not my job yeah we'd go to our first meeting and kina would say brayden what are we working with and i was like well my current bank account balance is zero because in anticipating <laughs> in anticipation of this call i spent it all yesterday shopping okay yeah. <laughs> Love that. So do you have, do you have any resources um, on your website on creating a spending, spending plan, like any blogs or um, like downloads or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, there's definitely a blog um, or two about creating a spending plan. I would say even before creating a spending plan, something that I have people do um, that I know definitely is on my um, website is a financial habit tracker. And I have people track their expenses for five days. Um, cause I work a lot with the behavioral aspect of money because I think anybody can open up a spreadsheet and put their numbers in. And that's not what I need you to do. I need to connect with like, what do you value? What are your goals? Like, so for instance, Brayden, even hearing you talk about like, I enjoy cooking. Why would I take that away from you? Right? Like what does the cooking, what else does that provide for you in your life? Um, to have an expensive grocery budget and it's helping people identify how they desire to spend their money. Cause then there's other places where you may be spending where you're like, actually that doesn't align with anything that I desire. Love that. Okay. Let's get, um, we'll connect after and we'll get the links for the habit for the habit tracker info, the spending plan in the show notes so that everyone can go check those out and get all of your awesome resources. So Let's do, um, are you down to do like a role-playing exercise on the last 10 minutes of our podcast? Sure. I've never done this. Brayden, you are, <laughs> I don't know what an Enneagram 7 is, but I'm a 3. 
Okay. <laughs> she's she's like she's like we did not plan for this this was not on the script i did not have any time to create notes you're going rogue yeah i got a lot of enneagram three friends you know i um i was a teacher and so i like i said i I know your type it's fine okay good 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 you you know the type you're like oh my god this kid can you imagine all of my crossfit instructors are like someone needs to not let this guy drink before he comes to class he's too damn talkative you know the type okay so this is like this is the the this is the exercise i want to do so let's let's pretend like i've already done the habit tracker i'm coming to you to talk about developing a spending plan so you're gonna role play as you <laughs> and all role play <laughs> as a potential client. So what like what does that look like? What kind of questions are you gonna ask me? The setup for this is amazing. <laughs> right? I mean it's kind of fun. I think it's kind of fun. Um, so you tracked your expenses for five yes. days. Uh-huh. Tell me tell me what you discovered. Like what were some ahas for you? What awareness did you gain? Well, I spend, I had an aha that I spend about $15 a day at Starbucks, which is both shocking and upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that, well, really when you pile Starbucks on top of my grocery budget, it appears that like 50% of my income is going towards food, mm-hmm. which checks out. Um, other ahas, other than that, I mean, I don't, I don't like, other than just like Postmates and groceries and Starbucks. I don't have like a ton of random expenses. And mm-hmm. as far as my business spending, like that's pretty well, like pretty well been dialed back already. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you notice? So you talked about like Starbucks was shocking and upsetting and you spend 50% <laughs> of your food is like spent on food. Um, what emotions, like when you were tracking your spending, one of the things I asked you to do is um, go through and think about your emotions right? When you were doing those things, what came up for you? And like, when you look back at some of the emotions you had? Like as I was tracking it? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like reflecting back on when I hypothetically did this, I feel like my emotions were primarily a little upsetting. Um, this actually uh, reference, we're going to break the, the fourth wall. Which wall is it? We're going to break one of the walls right here. I actually have, I actually have done this habit tracking exercise recently. So this isn't totally make-believe. Um, but for me, it was like, honestly, a little bit jarring and upsetting because I realized like you do the quick math on how much you're spending and what you could be doing with that money if you were saving it elsewhere towards like actual goals that you have. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, like the other emotion, I don't know if confusion is an emotion, but at the same time, you feel like you only have one life to live if you derive that much joy and pleasure out of having someone else make you a coffee every day, then let's spend the fucking money. So I'm always kind of like stuck in the middle of those two thoughts. Yeah. And I think like um, one of the things we don't have to get into it right now, but it's also going back through, like if you went back through your expenses and you said like, oh, this was something that I planned for versus something that was unplanned. Um, Cause then we can allow for the, we only live one life, but then also being able to find that balance with like how else could this money be supporting some of the other goals that I have and some of the other things that I value? So before we go into creating our spending plan, um, like thinking and holding on to that, right? Like where do I fit? Where, where do these 
where does the emotional side of money kind of show up for me? Like, I want to make sure that I can live this one life. So we'll make sure we have like your one life bucket, even if that shows up in food. <laughs> and then also be able to talk through what are some of the goals that you have, like the financial goals that you have, because of course, you know, we live in America and there's like, all Americans have a home, right? Like there's all these societal pressures, but being able to, to find that balance, because I get it, like people, you want to go to Starbucks or you want to go wherever it is. And it's like, it's nice to have that moment where someone's calling your name and they're doing that thing for you. And you feel like this benefits me in other ways. It's self-care, it's stress-free, but maybe you don't want to go seven days a week. Maybe you only want to go four. Yeah, I love, like, I love the emotion question, like, what emotions did that bring up? Because I bet, like, I bet you hear, so, like, a lot of different answers from your clients. I'm just guessing. Mm-hmm. I would imagine some of them probably have, like, very big aha moments. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, but it's even, like, what you said, right? It's like, oh, wow, I didn't realize I was spending that much on Postmates. Because it's such an, I think that when we think about spending, especially for the people that feel like, well, I'm not in the red right? Like there hasn't been anything that hasn't been paid. Um, But then when they go and track their expenses and kind of see what's going on and they build this financial awareness, it becomes, oh, wow, but that's not actually where I desire my money to go. And I'm spending $400 on Postmates and I didn't even realize, or or the food isn't even that good, right? Like (laughs) they were all mediocre (laughs) deliveries. Um, So it just allows people to realign with what they actually desire to spend their money on. And a lot of my clients, I will say, are like experienced people. So the McDonald's charge, they don't really want. They like want to go to Yeah. Oh, that would be great. My husband's been, he wants to take me. It's on our to-do list. I have like one of my realizations, I have, this is going to be a really silly example, but I think it'll be topical for people. Like when I really like kind of did this exercise for myself, I realized that I really was spending this much at Starbucks, but like my coffee I get every day is $4, but I would also get those like stupid bacon egg bites, which are delicious. And I thought, you know, I was like, they're pretty healthy, but those are four fucking dollars too. Mm-hmm. And it's like the coffee worth it, the egg bites not worth it. So maybe we won't cut out Starbucks, but we'll at least cut the budget in half. Yeah. So it's like taking, and then the Postmates like three days a week, let's like cut it back to one, all that kind of stuff. You end up realizing like I can cut a thousand dollars a month, like pretty quickly and reallocate that money towards the Thailand trip. Yeah. Well, and I had a client that I was working with recently and one of her reflections in tracking, she was like, dang, you know, I can't remember. I think she's working with like a nutritionist or something. She's like, no wonder why I haven't been hitting my goals. When I was looking at my spending, I'm like doing all this eating out. She's like, I've literally, I've lost four pounds because I'm tracking my expenses and I'm mindful of the fact that I'm not ordering food out. Like I'm going to cook at home. So even when you, like, I know that you, you know, are like a health guru. I don't know so much on like are you a macros kind of guy? But I know you do run and um, do Instagram stories at the same time. So <laughs> yeah, I would not cons- I would not consider myself a health guru. My okay. sister, my sister is. I do. I've tracked macros before. I've done all of the yeah. things. But for me, it's just you know, it's all about self control and balance. Right, but right, um, like the egg bites. You're like they're really not that great, or they're not that healthy. So let me actually yeah. like eat something else like that I actually desire to eat that tastes better. Yeah, now I make uh, now I make a smoothie, sausage, and three eggs every day at like yeah. ten o'clock. So right after this podcast, that's that's what I'm doing, making breakfast. <laughs> I love that though. The positive we would call that the positive externalities of tracking your money, realizing that you're eating unhealthy and that it has a <laughs> positive effect on your health. Okay, that's great. 
So as we're wrapping up, let's assume that someone, they, they do the habit tracker, they go through the spending plan, maybe they've worked with you, they've done it on their own. How does then that tie in to really like getting into your business finances? Like do, do people often realize like I am making enough, I'm just spending too much or I'm not making enough or they figure out projections on where they need to be to hit that aspirational budget? Like what does that look like for most people? Well, I think on the business side, like the same things that I ask you to do on the personal side to monitor your spending, you have to do it on the business side, right? Like the $10 Canva, the like $14 Acuity, all these like random subscriptions you sign up for because they're only $10. How is that impacting how much money is going out of your business every single month that is taking away from your profit or your ability to pay yourself more and consistently from month to month? So I think however you manage your personal finances will also be how you manage your business finances. Yeah, you can, you, you'll have to pry Canva out of my cold dead hands. It's, I'm never, <laughs> I'm never getting but, rid of that. But right, like you can have Canva, but I guess like I'm thinking too early on in business where you buy a whole bunch of stuff and you think it's going to help you. And then you haven't actually gone back through to audit the things that you have. And so I tell business owners, like, write down everything that you're spending money on, because I, I think we have a mentality that's like, oh, well, that's a tax write-off, so you keep it. Um, and so then you need to go back through your expenses and, like, what do you want to keep, what do you want to revisit, and what do you actually want to cancel? Love that. Yeah, we do. Like, I, I have my students work through the same exercise, and we focus a lot on, I call them duplicative expenses. So it's like Debsado has native calendaring functionality in it now. So there's no reason why you need to pay for Acuity or Calendly if you have Debsado. It's like maximizing the tools that you already use. And then also, like if you don't use Canva, if you don't know how to use it, then cancel it. But if you, you know, used to use Adobe all the time, but then you realize Canva was way easier and you're using that, cancel your fucking Adobe account. <laughs> you don't, you probably right. don't need both unless you're a graphic designer and you actually use both of those tools, right? Um, a quick tip on the tax deductions. I wrote about this in my book. You can, you, you probably already tell your clients this, but if not, fun take, take away for everyone. What I always tell people to think about with regard to tax deductions is it's really a discount on what it is that you're buying. It's not a freebie. Because yeah. usually, usually if you spend $100 on something and you take it as a tax deduction, it's going to save you about $20 in taxes. So just think about it as like a 20% discount on whatever it is that you're buying. If you wouldn't walk into Best Buy and spend $3,000 on a laptop just because it's 20% off, then like you shouldn't be buying it just for the tax deduction. Like buy it if you need it. And I think when you get your business expenses together and you know, like anyone who's been through one of your programs, when you actually know the trade-offs that are happening, like, oh, well, investing in this in terms of business expenses, does that have a return on investment? I think like that's always a great question to ask. And if your business expenses are all over the place um, and you don't have clarity in how much you desire to spend month to month, then I think you don't make the same decisions when it comes to investing in things that provide a return on investment for your business like why do you need that thing what is how is that helping your your bottom line yeah i i whenever i hear that i immediately think back to when i very first started my business and i thought i was like i have to have business cards business owners have to have business cards like Cause we always just like watch movies. Like we go to our, we at growing up, I'd go with my dad. He's a general contractor to like events and he'd hand out his business card. So I hired a graphic designer. And by the time I paid for that, and of course like my beautiful gold foil business cards is like $800. 
And then I'm like, I don't got anyone to hand these out to. Like, as soon as you do, they just end up in the trash can. Now we have Instagram for that. So I think it is funny, like, what we convince ourselves that we have, like, that we have to do, especially when we're starting out. Yeah. Like, I refuse to really buy any, like, $99 course anymore. Like, I would rather save and go for the one-to-one coach. Like, that's just something that I've learned. Like, I don't, one, I don't usually go through the course. Um, and yeah, but I get a better return on my investment because I'm more accountable when I'm like paying for the business coach, etc. So, oh, see, I'm, I'm a course junkie. So I guess that really, it comes down to like really knowing what works for you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell my students that whenever I buy a course, my goal, my, my goal is to be like the shining primary success story, like on the sales page in the future. And when I go into the course, like with that in the back of my mind, this is why I have Enneagram three in my tri-type. That's like a very three thing to say, right? Um, It like motivates me to really go through it. But some people, some people just like collect them and they just like end up in like a graveyard of courses. Yeah, like (laughs) I I can do the courses that have like touch points from the instructor. But if you just expect me to kind of like go through the modules by myself, mm -mm, I'm not doing it. So I, but I learned that about myself. (laughs) Good, good, good. Yeah, then you just save save your money. You can hire like one or two coaches a year rather than like ten courses. So. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Any final um any final tips, notes, nuggets of wisdom before we wrap this thing up? Um, I would say like just like schedule in some time if you are someone who is anti budgeting um and not like just thinking that you don't need a budget um one change your mindset <laughs> call it a spending plan because i think it i think it makes you become more curious about um like where your money is actually going and then yeah schedule some time on your calendar even if it's you know 10 20 minutes to say like hey let me actually make a plan for how much i desire to be paying myself love that okay so most of my listeners know by now that my facebook group is called Braden's besties if you're not a member, everyone should go join. Kina, you should come join also. It's fun. You can help <laughs> connect with people about all these money topics. But if people want to become Kina's bestie, where do they go to do that? Um, so I have, you can find me on Instagram. I also have a Facebook community. It's not Kina's besties. It's just wealth over now. <laughs> okay. That's probably uh, easier to remember, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, hopefully they won't. They won't butcher the spelling, so it should work. But yeah, I have a Wealth Over Now Facebook community. K-E-I-N-A. Yes. Oh, so the spelling. Uh, wealth Over Now is the Facebook group. That's yes. also your Instagram. Okay. Yes. Do <laughs> yeah. people misspell wealth? <laughs> no, no. I'm saying if I, was, if I had Kina's besties, like I don't know if people would find me. Oh, got it. Well, people misspell Brayden all the time. I was about to say, yeah, so. Bray, I, as I said that, I was like, you probably have a Y in some, some of your people that are looking for you. Yeah, okay. we, are, we are riding that struggle bus together, but it's okay. It's good company. All right. <laughs> so we will put, um, we'll put all the contact information. We'll hyperlink your Instagram account, your Facebook group, and the show notes, along with those resources to the Habit Tracker. Thanks so much for coming on the show and playing along with the role-playing exercise and all of the other shenanigans I put you up to today. Hey, you know, I'm always up for a great conversation. So thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks everyone for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Of course, we have several more episodes coming up in this money series. So stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe so you get notified when the next episode comes out, which will be on Tuesday. Uh, Hope to see you then. Talk to you then. Hope that you're listening then. Have a good one.
Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.